I'm Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy's Borana of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story. Hello everyone and welcome to the On Air podcast. So we thought as it's sort of the festive season, we know not everybody will celebrate Christmas, but it is sort of the festive season. Um, we thought that we would uh, talk about Christmas. And so the main family that's known for the sort of their big Christmas celebration is the British Royal Family. And we've been hearing lots of things over the past few weeks about how the queen is going to is going to power through and is going to have all the family together and then oh no she's not it's going to be cancelled and no one's going to come around and oh no we don't know and yes so obviously the pre-Christmas dinner which is the one the entire family goes to normally takes place around sort of a week to a week and a half before Christmas and apparently was going to be on the 21st of December this year but that was cancelled got a BBC breaking news update about that not sure I've ever had one of those before but you know a breaking news update I did I got a BBC breaking news update that the Queen has cancelled her family Christmas dinner that's not even an official engagement and we only see them driving in to Buckingham Palace and then that's it so that does not seem like a breaking news alert I know I got that through and I always get really worried now well not worried but every time I get a BBC breaking news update I always check it in case the Queen's died um that's just my first thought everyone and it's normally something completely unrelated so that was a bit of a surprise one (laughs) um but yes that was cancelled because obviously if there had been a Covid outbreak at the Christmas dinner it would have knocked off all of their Christmases and then the the rumours are that the senior royals are essentially in isolation so they can go to the Queen However, today I read something that the Queen wasn't even going to go to Sandringham. It will be a private behind doors Christmas celebration with no Christmas walk. Well, last year we were told repeatedly, everything's going to be fine. You'll all be able to do Christmas as normal. And then, you know, about a week or so before Christmas, it was like, "Uh, no, you're not. Uh, We changed our mind. Whereas this year they're doing a lot of, oh, well, we would advise you not to do this we would recommend that you don't do this but there's no law nobody so I think there's a lack of clarity generally um for every family in the UK probably which is probably not any different to the royal family they just kind of have to be seen to be setting the example so they have to be trying to keep up with all of the latest regulations and guidelines but the latest regulations and guidelines aren't clear either so maybe it's just a reflection of like nobody really knows what's going on at the moment the worry I think will not be so much the families getting together but more whether crowds start to form because it's a tradition that loads of people go to Sandringham and wait around and meet the royals and shake hands and swap presents and there's although the risk of getting Covid outdoors is significantly lower than getting it inside I still think that they'll want to discourage people from gathering together. Yes yeah I imagine the aim is to not have an accidental super spreader event on Christmas um but yeah I I I can I imagine the 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 Charles and Camilla and the Cambridges and probably you know the Yorks and Peter will be with the Queen on Christmas obviously that's all dependent on them and their families I mean Eugenie uh, Jack's dad passed away this year so maybe they want to spend Christmas with his family you know there's all these different things but they didn't spend Christmas with the Queen last year as a family. And this year, obviously, they've lost Philip. So I imagine there is a bit of a, we're all going to try and spend Christmas with Granny this year, just in case thing they've got going on. But yeah, I mean, I was thinking the other day about her Christmas speech um, and where it's going to be filmed, because I was assumed it was going to be Windsor. But then I'm like, has she come back to Buckingham Palace to record it there? Where is she recording it? And also, normally, I feel like we've heard at this point what she's saying because she films it and then someone's like, by the way, this is what she said, like, straight away afterwards. But I don't know. I feel like it would be like, some of us have lost people this year. It's very sad, but we must keep carrying on. I th- well, I think there's one one thing is that I think that a lot of people outside of the UK maybe have this impression that, like, every single person in the UK sits down and watches the Queen's speech. And it's this, like, I, I have never watched the Queen's speech live and I've watched the Queen's speech sort of after the fact maybe two or three times and so yeah I, I I'm really not maybe it's just my family's not really into it but every time she does some sort of video message or something 
people go wild for it and it's always the same sort of thing whereas yeah it's like we've all lost people but we've also found the joy in being together yeah we don't know my grandma watches a queen speech I it's normally on on the tv because we've got bbc one on but we're not sitting like we're at the we're eating at the table so it's in the background you can occasionally like you hear like the national anthem play at some point you're like oh queen's on but that's <laughs> kind of it but um the, the only queen's speech I've ever sat down and watched was a covid speech because it was on like 8 p.m on a Friday and everyone was like go and watch it so I did and I was like that was quite nice but I'm not sure I'd waste my Christmas day watching it I just honestly don't get it that much like I mean I'm, I'm not gonna say that somebody's wrong for finding comfort in the queen if that's their thing then that's fine um but it's just not something that I can personally relate to like uh, yeah during the COVID pandemic when she did her big speech even people who were not necessarily monarchists or ever really thought about the monarchy were all over their social medias talking about how they felt so much more comforted by this woman in a palace who has the best medical teams in the world um telling them that everything was going to be okay and I, it just I, I've never really understood why people find that much comfort from somebody who they don't know but you know it's to each their own but yeah I I think I mean she'll definitely do something I would have thought um it would be pretty I think we would have heard if she wasn't going to do anything yeah it would be that would be a breaking news update yeah that would be breaking news not that she's not having a private lunch because even though it's not a part of my sort of Christmas routine I do think it is part of Christmas routines for many families particularly older people and it would just be strange to not have it but it is also yeah it is strange that we haven't really heard what's going to be in there or where it's going you know where it's going to be filmed or any of those sorts of conversations either um yeah and the queen's not the only king or queen who does speeches at Christmas obviously the queen does her Christmas one and it's filmed in advance um and then in Spain they do it on Christmas Eve and in Denmark um the queen does hers in New Year's so it's a New Year's speech in the Netherlands I'm pretty sure Willem Alexander does a Christmas speech as well yeah, Carl Gustaf in Sweden normally does one as well. And they all say, oh, it's been a it's been a lovely year, but there's been some hardships, but also some nice things have happened. Here's a picture of my family. The, a lot of them are sort of very religious based, which is understandable given that it's Christmas. But um, I, yeah, the, the, a lot of them are sort of rooted in a, a biblical or faith based kind of lesson. That's what the Queen does quite a lot, actually, in her speeches. She'll be like, I was reading this Bible passage and it said this and um, but a lot of the the royal families who who do speeches sort of are outwardly religious. I went down a uh, royal family religion rabbit hole last night trying to figure out like which royal families are religious and which royal families had to be religious. <laughs> so I'm having a great time. So obviously the Queen is the head of the Church of England um, and then in Sweden they're part of the Church of Sweden and they have to be part of the Church of Sweden to be in the line of succession um, and then you've got um, places like Monaco where they're Catholics because it's the state religion and the same in Spain um, and then Denmark they're evangelical Lutherans from the Church of Denmark and they it's also in the constitution that they have to be uh, that particular religious but they're not head of the church they're secular supreme authority which I assume is the same thing just not called the head of the church um and then in Norway they're also Lutheran um and they're they were the sort of supreme head of the church until 2012 but now they're not um and then there were a few like Luxembourg they are a Catholic family but there's no obligation that the Luxembourg royal family or princely what are they grand ducal family have to be Catholic they just happen to be yeah I think it's the same in the Netherlands where like there's no legal requirement that they have to be from a particular religion but there's just a sort of societal expectation or a historical tradition that that's the religion they belong to yeah I mean Maximus Catholic whereas the rest are Protestant yes yeah um, yeah so I think you know when we see these Christmas speeches and things it does kind of remind us that for a lot of royal families um, there is a close relationship between faith and monarchy um and I think you know the British is probably the the most the one with the most historical drama the one where there's a lot of legal changes have happened over the years but you know it isn't it isn't unique to have some kind of relationship between 
the monarchy and religion, even in non-Christian countries, if you look at, you know, sort of the Gulf states, they're Muslim um, and the Jordan royal family is supposedly descended from Muhammad. Um, in Bhutan and Thailand, they're Buddhist. Um, so, you know, faith and monarchy all kind of wraps up in one parcel in a lot of places. Yes, definitely. And I think it is interesting that throughout the different families uh, at Christmas, the only ones who do that kind of outwardly religious moment are the Brits when they when they go to St. Mary Magdalene Church in Norfolk for the Christmas service. Um, and sometimes they go for the Christmas Eve service and the early morning Christmas service. So there was that period of time where Philip was going three times in like 12 hours, which I mean, I think is a bit overkill. They say the same thing. <laughs> But it's fine. You clearly enjoyed it. Um, I think it's interesting to sort of think about the different religions. And yeah, there are there are countries where it is a requirement that they belong to a certain religion, which is kind of an interesting ethical dilemma. And I think particularly in countries like Sweden, where the monarch is not the head of the Church of Sweden. But, you know, I can understand why the Queen is so outwardly religious, because she does have that dual role of being kind of the head of the head of the Church of England. Um, and so, I mean, it's a very long history as to why the British monarchy has got such a close relationship with the Church of England. Um, yeah, we'll do Henry VIII another time. Yeah, we, we can have a potted history of like Henry VIII, it basically came down to him. Henry VIII decided for various reasons that he wanted to break away from the Catholic Church, established the Church of England. Um, and then after that, there was just constant changes and wars and rebellions and assassinations and things with people going back and forth between whether or not they wanted to be Catholic or Protestant. Um, and then I think it was 1701 with the Act of Settlement when that kind of finally confirmed like that Protestantism had won. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that was the point where very famously anybody who was a Roman Catholic couldn't be the monarch, but also um, anyone who was married to a Roman Catholic couldn't inherit the throne, which changed very recently. Um, but it's, yeah, it's quite interesting, you know, to look at that sort of history and see why, why the monarch still is very outwardly connected to the Church of England. And I do think it is very interesting that that, that Catholic uh, tie, like for a long time, you couldn't be in the line of succession if you were Catholic or married to a Catholic. It was quite specifically only Catholics. The, obviously the monarch had to still be Church of England, but there was nothing stopping, I don't know, Princess Beatrice from marrying someone who, from the Jewish faith. She would have kept her place in the line of succession um, because Henry VIII didn't have beef with Jews. He only had beef with Catholics. And, you know, in the in the year, sort of in the 16th century or the 18th century, when the Act of Settlement was, you know, it kind of, it would have been impossible for people to even conceive of the fact that somebody who was not Christian could have been the monarch. Um, and, you know, obviously times developed, but um, yeah, in that, in that day and age, the idea that the monarch could even consider entering into a relationship with somebody who was from another faith was just not a possibility, but it did leave this strange quirk in the law in a, in a way, like I understand the historic relationship, but in a way it does sometimes seem unfair that certain people have been excluded um, for not, particularly legitimate reasons yeah definitely and it's it's I I do find the relationship between monarchies and religion fascinating mm. because it's it's always one of those things where it's like is it a genuine faith or is it a, if I don't pretend to believe in God I'm gonna lose this crown thing um and you know there are some families who I think are obviously the the queen is obviously very religious I think, you know, the Luxembourg royal family are quite religious. They do take a lot of sort of trips to the Vatican. Um, and there's obviously the Spanish royal family are famously Catholic from for, throughout history, whether or not Felipe and Letizia are Catholic, I don't know. But I imagine Queen Sophia is quite a staunch Catholic. Um, whereas, you know, in Monaco, I don't know how close Albert and his family are to being good Roman Catholics. I mean, Charlene is, Charlene is known to be, I think she converted when she married and has in the last sort of five years or so has really gone quite hard with the Catholic thing. Um, and is, you know, like there was a photograph that was released when she was in South Africa, not feeling very well. That was her reading a Bible with a rosary and, you know, um, but it is an interesting thing. And we'll, we'll never really know the answer, but, you know, last week we talked about 
Letizia in Spain potentially being an atheist. She's never said it, I don't think, but it's the general rumor. Um, but you know, we'll never really know um, to what degree they're professing this faith because they believe it and to what degree it's sort of um just something that they have to do like the monarch in the uk has to take it has to swear at their coronation that they will uphold the protestant faith um but if you're not you know as, as somebody who's an atheist if i was swearing that it wouldn't mean anything to me so it is interesting to see to, to sort of think about how much is real and how much is pr and um it's, I think it's interesting to see the moments in between, like Christmas is one of those days where a lot of people go to church, even if they're not really religious, because they, you know, I used to do it. I liked singing carols, so, and hymns, so I'd go to church. Exactly. <laughs> I love singing God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. That's my favourite. So any chance to do that. And I liked, I also got to stay up past midnight to go to midnight mass. And <laughs> I really enjoyed that. So, um, but, you know, it, um, it's those moments, I think, sometimes in between the big religious occasions. William... Uh, uh, when he was at an event and he was talking about the different sort of ways he would describe himself and he, he one of the things he used was Christian and we we never really thought of him as a very religious person because he's not going to church every single week but actually maybe it is more important to his identity than we thought. When, when I'm at school and I'm teaching the children about you know things like the holocaust and the, they're always asking me like why did they not just pretend not to be Jewish and it's really hard to get across that to someone who is religious it's part of who they are. They can't just pretend not to be that thing. It's it's not a it's not something that they can do, and it's a really hard thing to get across. Whereas, like you said, it's very easy for I don't know, I don't know, King Harold of Norway to come out and be like, yes, I am religious, and actually, you know, be at home and be like, nah, don't believe in this. Exactly, but I, I think that does actually bring up an interesting point about like the role of religion in society and why the monarchy is, you know, how that wraps up with the monarchy because. In the UK, we aren't actually that religious a society, um, which I think is interesting. Like if you look at polls and things, I think the majority of people do say that they are Christian. But then if you actually drill down into that, the percentage of people who say that they believe in God is like half the number of people who say that they're Christian. Um, and it's because, as you were saying, like being religious is, you know, is cultural as well as sort of actual faith based so um a lot of people like well my dad my dad is from um near glasgow and a lot of people don't necessarily realize this but in glasgow there's kind of a mini version of this the sectarian conflict in ireland where it's like protestants and catholics and it can get very violent and so my dad came from a catholic family and even though most of them didn't really believe in god and once they'd left that area they no longer practiced um he is culturally catholic and i think you know it's the same with irish people a lot of them are culturally catholic or protestant whether they believe it or not um and so i think that there's still kind of um an important yeah an important cultural role that the sort of faith-based traditions play even if people aren't necessarily religious yeah, like, for example, in Spain, part of they obviously have Christmas, they have Christmas Eve, and then the Christmas celebrations carry on until the Epiphany, which is in January. Um, and whether or not you as a Spanish person are particularly religious, you'll probably still have your celebration for the Epiphany, because that's what people do. My parents live in Spain, and every other week the Spanish are setting something on fire for some saint that I've never heard of. And then they all get together and eat paella. Um, and, you know, it's just fun. This is very much moving away from religion to the other sort of <laughs> Santa Claus side of Christmas. But I think it is interesting that there are Christmas religions within the families. But, you know, you have Camilla's um, annual tree decoration, which is without a doubt my favourite royal engagement ever, where she invites children from hospices to uh, the palace to come and decorate the Christmas tree with her and they get a little gift and it's lovely. And then you've got um, in Monaco, Prince Albert and the twins and Charlene, if she's there, they, I mean, he all but dresses up as Santa and they give out presents to the children of Monaco, which it's, it's not a religious thing, obviously. It's nowhere in the Bible or, you know, does it say, oh, on December the 25th, we give presents. But it is a cultural thing that that's something that as a family they've chosen to do and it will be something that will 
become a tradition in the same kind of way that going to church is a tradition. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting because, yeah, there's kind of two two sides to the um, religious conversation. So there is the kind of the more cultural side of things or the more sort of fluffy and sweet side of things like the Queen do, doing a speech or Camilla doing the, the tree decorations are really lovely things that, or like I think we'll maybe talk about this later, but like the Swedish royal family's annual Christmas message, the crown princess family's message is lovely. You know, it's very sweet. There is kind of a, um, a different side to things in that having a head of state who is also the head of a branch of the church is part of why the UK doesn't have a legal separation between church and state. I have a lot of arguments with people about that because they're like, we do. And I'm like, no, we don't. We do not have a legal separation. We just, people aren't, reli- we don't have a state religion, but we don't have a legal separation. And it's driving mad. <laughs> it's, it's a really com- common misconception. And I think it's interesting when you compare us to the US, because in the US, they do have a legal separation between church and state. And that's why, like, their national holidays and things are like Independence Day and, um, thanksgiving and things that are not inherently religious um but religion is a very dominant thing within their political system and within their culture whereas i think in the uk it's kind of the opposite where legally we have no separation between church and state our our head of state is the head of the church of england members of the church of england sort of senior leaders in the church of england um get automatically get positions in the house of lords and Yet, I think culturally, we're probably, it's more, it's more just like we like Christmas and not so much that we actually actively believe in God and go to church all the time. Yes, I think I remember a few years ago when Britain legalised gay marriage, um, which obviously is, is not something that re- uh, strictly religious Catholics are always that fond of, shall we say. Um, and it was our Conservative Party who are our more right wing party who did it and it wasn't a massively big deal it wasn't massively controversial which is like oh they've done it great wonderful whereas in the US where they do have that separation and legally that shouldn't be impacting their laws at all it's such a big deal yeah it's definitely really interesting but I I, and I think it's kind of an important point to bring up that like I'm not attacking anybody's individual faiths or beliefs or you know I believe people should be allowed to, to do what they want as long as they're not hurting other people really um so I don't mind if the queen is a member of the church of England that doesn't bother me at all I just don't know whether having such a close relationship between the head of state and the church is a positive thing for the country in terms of our democracy like so yeah the the house of lords which is our it's already an issue because it's unelected and it's largely just the prime minister gives jobs to his friends um they there's a a group in the house of lords that's called the lord spiritual and they are bishops i think and and higher um in the church of england who are automatically given places in the house of lords and you know that's an issue for lots of different reasons one is that there's only ever been seven female bishops so overwhelmingly the group of people who get that role are men um they may be more conservative on certain issues um it's sort of discriminatory because jewish people or muslim people or even church of scotland um doesn't have any places in the house of lords and you know of course it's undemocratic to have somebody elected um i mean the process of electing a bishop is also involves the monarchy because the prime minister recommends them but it's the queen who kind of gives the you know her signature that approves it so you know, it, I, I just that's that's my concern. It's not necessarily about what individual people practice in their own time. It's more about should should our head of state be so closely aligned with one religion that's only really relevant to one country within the UK? There's definitely there's always going to be the argument of, oh, it's tradition. Um, and, you know, yes, our, I mean, on our coins, we still have Defender of the Faith, which was the title the Pope gave to King Henry VIII. Um, and then he straight up was like, yeah, I'm not doing your religion anymore. And we still got it on the coins. We're still like, we're keeping that title, never take it off us. Um, but like, whether, just because something is tradition obviously doesn't mean it should continue. And there are um, traditions that I like 
and I'm just going to bring it up, is the privilege to Blanc that the Popes got rid of, and I'm really annoyed about it because it was fun. Um, so obviously the privilege to Blanc is that the seven Catholic queens of the world are, are officially the only people who have the right to wear white in front of the Pope. Um, and it's not a big deal. And our current Pope is like, yeah, I'm too chill. I don't want to care about that. Wear what you like, which is fine. And it's very modern and it's probably a good thing. But I saw Camilla wore cream when she met him. And I was like, huh? Wear black, wear a veil. Come on, give me a mantilla. Give me something. Give me some <laughs> ceremony here. Um, and it's, it's not a big deal. And yes, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably quite sensible that people can go to church in the Vatican and not be like, oh no, I forgot I put my cream top on today. I will always be slightly bitter that that's gone. However, that doesn't mean it wasn't the right decision. So when we inevitably have that discussion with with Charles and William and you know maybe even George in the future as heads of state, whether or not they are religious, whether or not that will be something they are, you know, and it's it's that kind of thing where children are often taken into religion at quite young. So I was obviously baptized as a child. I went to Catholic schools growing up. I um that was something that was very much happened to me and obviously will happen to George and Charlotte and Louis and happen to William and happen to Charles but they don't have necessarily the opportunity to be like actually I don't agree with this and can then swap religions or choose to be an atheist because they know that they have to outwardly remain that religion for their entire lifetime. I read a little bit about sort of the arguments in favour and against um, ending the relationship between the monarchy and the, the church. There's two, view, the two views. The church seems to think that it's fine because they are defenders of all faiths. That was their argument, was that they are just defending faith. and we, Faith in general. Yeah, and I think we can get onto that in a second. But the other point is, is similar to what we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, which is just it's too complicated to change it. The fact that the bishops do have a role in our um, House of Lords, you know, will that open up conversations about ending the House of Lords, which a lot of people want to do, but a lot of people don't. Um, so I think for a lot of people, it's just kind of, the, you know, better the devil, you know, <laughs> that's an ironic phrase to use. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that's kind of the thing. But, but yeah, the argument of kind of defending, being a defender of faith in general, I don't necessarily buy that. But I do think it was it was a conversation that did come up around Charles where there was the suggestion that he was going to change the title from defender of the faith to defender of faith. And everyone was thinking, well, a lot of conservative monarchists were freaking out. He was more speaking just of like, he wants to protect religious freedom rather than he's suddenly going to convert to Buddhism. But I think that's an interesting conversation about the multicultural society that we live in now. And, you know, does the monarchy and the relationship with the church have a place in modern society? How do they emphasise interfaith relationships moving forward? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because when you do go to those kind of big societal events, things like, you know, the remembrance services, you obviously have the royal family and you have your politicians and then you have representatives from the different faith. And within, obviously within Britain, there is a, the head of sort of the Jewish faith within Britain and the head of the Christian faith within Britain. Only of all of those faiths, the only one with that sort of higher one within the UK is the Queen but then you've got to think that most not most well yeah most religions do have a head they just tend not to be within the same country so for Catholicism it's um the Pope he is the head of the <laughs> Roman Catholic Church yeah and he is also a monarch yeah he's the monarch of the monarchy of the Vatican <laughs> Yeah, it's just a very different, you know, pe you know, people don't often realise because it's not in inherited in the same way and it's not like this family he thing. Tiara. Exactly, he doesn't <laughs> have a tiara, sadly. Um, I would love to see the Pope in a tiara. I think he'd rock it. But, and, and then there's also like, um, this is kind of a blended royal family, but the, um, the Aga Khan, um, who is an, Im he's an imam of a, a branch of um, Shia Muslims. Um, but it, they kind of have a system of monarchy in a way and like his children are prince and princess um and so that's kind of like a hybrid religion monarchy thing yes it's one of these things where it's like do i think our queen should be the head of our church and the head of our state and it's no but do i think that it's wrong that someone is the head of the church of england is like also no <laughs> 
I think the only difference is in most in most religions, the person who is head of that religion is, you know, a religious figure like the Pope or mm. the Aga Khan, you know, and like it's a rabbi or an imam or a priest. It's not an old lady. <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem even if the Queen was choosing bishops or whatever, um, as long as they weren't then getting a place in the House of Lords. Because I, I, as a somebody who isn't part of the church, I don't think it should be my place to decide whether or not the Queen you know who who elects bishop i just don't think that it should translate into having a role within our decision making as a whole society um that's where my issue with it lies but in terms of like having a a head of state who is religious that doesn't bother me and you know even in if you look at the us i've read loads of things about how the idea to a lot of people in the us the idea that they would have a, a president who wasn't one of the Christian faiths is just absurd. So, you know, it's not just a monarchy. Even if there isn't necessarily a formal relationship, a lot of places will, there will be a cultural expectation that you belong to a certain religion in order to lead. Um, it is just for me when it becomes an actual, you're giving somebody power because of their connection to the, the head of state. That's when it becomes an issue to me. Okay, so we are now moving into our light bites, but we are getting no less Christmassy. Um, so we've had over the last, well, since our last episode, we've had um, a couple more Christmas cards. So we've had photographs from the Spanish royal family, from the Belgian royal family. Um, and we've also, um, this came out the day we're recording. Um, so it's breaking news for us, not for you anymore. But um, we had the annual video from the Swedish royal family from the crown princess family which this year just featured princess Estelle and prince Oscar um they went to a church in the castle um and they lit some candles for advent um and then there was a musical performance from the royal band we get a lot more yeah Christmassy images and there's definitely a real family theme coming through um they're all looking very summery, I'm just going to be honest. They're all stood there in their summer dresses and in the sun. It's not been sunny for a long time. I don't know where the sun has come from. Um, but um, it's, it's always like, it's always nice to see the children, especially, you know, if you think about the Spanish royal family, Leonor's been away for the year. She's been, she's been in Wales. Um, so obviously she came home, they took a nice photo. It was very sweet. You had the... Um, Belgian royals had their again another family photo with them all they look very sweet as I'm talking the Earl and Countess of Wessex have chosen um their Christmas card and it's from um their visit to Forfar Golf Club where the Earl made his debut in Forfar Tartan apparently okay that's what I just learned as I am stood here oh it's because he was made he was made Earl of Forfar wasn't he so yeah yes yes I'm gonna see but yes, I always think I like a nice Christmas card. I like how they go, you know, a bit. Although I'm going to be honest, none of them are very Christmassy. But yeah, they they all felt very summery this year, um, which I think is probably just the fact that they've been listening to the podcast and just wanted to give Grace what she asked for. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, I think so my actual if I look at my notes, my notes for this topic just say sp- standard family photos. Meh. that's the full extent of my notes yeah they're just a bit boring this year I want and also I'm not gonna be honest uh, I want posed photos for Christmas cards I'm fed up with these like in action shots give me what I mean the Cambridges did give me a holiday photo from them in a different country which was not what I asked for but at least it was a proper posed family photo it wasn't like a shot of them walking down the street in engagement which is where a lot of them seem to have gone this year I think this is, I'm the opposite of you. Um, I think this might be the first time we disagree on something. Um, I I like the in-action shots. I don't, it depends on what they are. Like the Charles and Camilla one was a bit odd because it didn't really look like he was fixing her mask or something in a sort of affectionate moment. I think because she wasn't really looking at him. But I do, I do generally like to see them doing something or, um, I, I mean, I, if they were going to do sort of a still posed image, as long as, I, I would like like, Christmas jumpers and a Christmas tree and yeah at least a tree yeah something that felt festive um but I I do really like the sort of active ones um 
but I, I just find it more interesting personally to see them because otherwise I'm just like well I know what you look like I saw you last week um yeah well yes I definitely I do like the ones where they're you know in the wrapping Christmas presents or at least if they're all in red and green like in like festive colors I like that but I'd rather have it be you know an a posed specifically for Christmas photo than a in action photo from them in March you know yeah that's that's fair yeah it's not just the action that I like it's like it has to be relevant um so like if it's an action that's just them at an engagement I'm like well we already saw loads of photos from that engagement and then if yeah if it's ones that were sort of something that happened in March or April it kind of just feels very distant and sometimes I'm not sure why they picked that specific image to like represent the entire year necessarily um but yeah, you know, it, they weren't bad images and it was it was nice to see them. And, um, you know, I do like seeing all the family together, especially those ones where there's the kids are growing up. And, you know, like Elizabeth in Belgium was um, studying at Oxford. And so she was away a lot as well. Yeah, Edward and Sophie ruined my, uh, oh, they've all got the kids with them. They've all gone for a real family photo this year. Like they didn't, they were just those two. <laughs> as I was talking, just ruined my plan. But um, yeah, they, they, they have gone for a bit of a, look at us we're a happy family and it's very sweet and they've all just yeah I think when you said they were all a bit mad they are just all a little bit disappointing yeah it, it probably sounds ungrateful for being like I don't like the image that they released um but they're just not that interesting to me they're just yeah but the the I like the Swedish royal family because it is it's a video so it is yes inherently in action um and yeah, so this one was only, it was very short in comparison. Like I had somebody who said to me that they felt thought that it felt less personal and I don't think it feels less personal. I just think it was very short. Um, normally we kind of will see them all going out together to like, uh, or, well, there's one where they've decorated a tree. There's one where they went out to the forest together and sort of toasted marshmallows. They, there was one where they went to the church and they learned all about the Christmas story. Um, and this one was just sort of them they came in they lit some candles and then there was a band performing it was just a lot less content but it's still so sweet and they they you know little oscars growing up so fast and seemed absolutely adorable um so i still enjoyed it even if it was a bit short. i and i can understand with everything that's going on that maybe it just was difficult to find the time um to do a fuller length video Yes, and I mean, interesting that we've been talking about religion and it was a a religious video. They were lighting the fourth advent candle, which is obviously a Christian thing. For Obviously for them, it's from the Church of Sweden, not the Church of England. Um, but it, it, like you said, it's very sweet. Estelle was in red, you know. She the assignment. Christmas dressing. She knew what she was going for. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's it. I think they all should do it, really, quite frankly. I think they should just release a little video with them all, you know, going merry christmas and yeah done tick easy peasy but you know it is it's something i look forward to every year from the swedish royals is this um this lovely sweet video that they all release and although it is very religious i also i i I feel differently to this to how i do to the queen's speed i feel like even though these videos can be religious from sweden they they're a bit more inclusive like for example a few years ago um they they went to a church and they sort of they learned about the Christmas story and there was an emphasis on the element of Mary and Joseph being refugees. They, I think the priest was, is openly gay as well. So it kind of, they've, it's always felt like it's a more inclusive message and it's sort of trying to relate these stories to a modern world. I've been having a look at which Royal families release Christmas photos that we haven't got yet. Um, so obviously we've not had anything from Norway yet. It normally comes around the 20th, which makes sense. Um, we haven't had anything from the Netherlands. Um, and we haven't had anything for Denmark, but do Denmark even release a Christmas photo? Because I don't think they do. I've been racking my brain and I'm like, I have no memory of one. I know that they're doing this thing where they're like, every day they're doing some sort of Christmassy thing for Advent. So like there was a photograph that was shared that Mary took of her out on a walk with the dog um yes I remember that yeah it's adorable because I love dogs in any image all of these staged images would be infinitely better if the dog was in it but I and and like they've shared photos in the past of them decorating the tree and 
So they do things, but I don't know if it's necessarily like, here's our annual Christmas card image. It's more just sort of like, we'll share lots of stuff and sometimes it'll include us and sometimes it won't. But yeah, so it's, there's an, each royal family kind of does their own thing and we're starting to get a little bit more, but it does feel like this year is a little bit, um, it's harder to predict who's going to release what and whether it's going to be the same as it has been in previous years. And it's, it completely makes sense because that's kind of the, the experience everybody's going through to a degree. It's like, a lot of people don't know where they're going to be spending Christmas and if the rules will change and lots of countries are locking down now and that actually, oh, that leads us very nicely into our, I had not planned that, but that leads us very nicely into our second light bite, which is really about COVID. There has been a lot of things suddenly have been cancelled. Um, the Netherlands went back into lockdown, so I'd assume that's going to have a bit of an impact on the Dutch royals. Throughout January already, a lot of big royal events that were going to happen have been cancelled or delayed um Ingrid Alexandra was turning well she is still going to turn 18 so her garden has been postponed celebrations for um Queen Margarita's Golden Jubilee have been postponed the New Year's celebrations in Denmark have been cancelled and I was when I was doing my what do each royal family do at Christmas and one of the things I found was that the Netherlands the Dutch royals they go to Argentina a lot which is obviously where Maximus from and I was like, not this year, because they are, again, in a bit of trouble for possibly flouting lockdown suggestions and rules and regulations. Um, so for Princess Katharina Amalia's birthday, they had an outdoor party, I think, with about 21 guests, which wasn't against the rules, but was against the very strict suggestion that that doesn't happen. They'd essentially gone back to a stage where it was you know no more than six people outside kind of thing um and the the uh dutch royal family had to release a statement being like we have now thought about this and have realized it was a, not a very sensible thing to do and we're very very sorry which is not the first time they have done this no so they went to greece at one point during the covid pandemic last year i think it was um and uh, that kind of blew up because they kept it kind of quiet at first, but then people found out about it. And at the time they weren't supposed to be um, going overseas. Um, so people were rightfully very angry and Maxima and Willem Alexander had to do a kind of apology thing. It was a, vi it was a video apology that they did, which is very rare in the royal families, any royal family really. Um, so I think this kind of, I've seen two schools of thought about this. Um, and there's one side of things which is saying like it was really stupid of them to do this even though it's not against the rules technically it was really stupid of them to do this when they've already made this one catastrophic mistake and um you know a lot of people who i know who are not dutch are sort of thinking like oh well that's the end of the monarchy now they've screwed themselves over basically um and then the other side of things is that i've seen is that um we are in a very different place from where we were at that point when they went to Greece you know at that point nobody really knew what the pandemic was people were really scared but they were kind of um sticking to the rules and trying to for the most part sticking to the rules and trying to be responsible whereas I feel like now people feel like well we've been doing these things for two years and the pandemic is still here oh and, and rules keep changing and we don't know what the latest is and we don't know what we're supposed to be doing and so there's sense almost that like well they're not doing anything that any other family hasn't been doing so that's the kind of two things I've been seeing there's people being really angry about it because it's their second big mistake and then other people kind of being like well this time around nobody really knows what the rules are everybody's kind of doing their own thing anyway so it's not really that bad yes I think when the Greece thing happened I was very surprised because they've always struck me as a very sensible in touch with the people group of like a family that kind of know what's going on and know how to read the country and and then obviously they went to Greece and then when they came back they left um Amalia and Electa in Greece which did not help the situation <laughs> and I was like I was like well that was just stupid and then to do it again I was like well you clearly do not read the room as well as I thought you did but like you said at the same time and I'm not condoning breaking covid rules but it wasn't a rule it was a suggestion and they you know it was outside they were people who you know 
friends it was a birthday party if it had been a big inside gathering of hundreds of people I'd, I'd feel differently um and I'm not even saying we should have done it but I'm saying I can understand what I thought your your oldest daughter only turns 18 once she can have an outdoor picnic yeah and I I've seen some people suggest that this is actually and this is coming from Dutch people and again it's just like one or two Dutch people so it's might not necessarily be representative but at least it's somebody who's Dutch and not just me um the kind of saying that there is um there with um the king now and also with his mother Beatrix there they both seem to have this view that when they are at engagements or when they're um, doing something to do with their role, that they have to be representatives of the nation, but that in their private time, they are private people and can do what they want. And I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree that it's that simple, but that seems to be their attitude to a lot of things. So, you know, obviously they had to backtrack and apologize because they knew that it was causing such a fuss with Greece and they knew it could with this one but I think that there may almost be an attitude from hit from the king and his family that like this is our private time so we can do what we want to do and it shouldn't be anybody else's business I've always made that argument between yes they should have an element of privacy but when you're in an unelected head of state role you have to take on the responsibilities that come with that um and I can definitely understand them being like well I want to have a birthday party for my daughter and I'm allowed to do that and there is no law stopping me but I mean I say this a lot I just think royals quite frankly should be smarter than they are with the resources they've got. I think last year we had the incident with the Cambridges and the Wessexes where they were spotted on a walk at the Sandringham winter light celebration thing um, and it was when the UK had a rule of six and the rule of six included everyone from teeny tiny babies up to adult. The only people it didn't include was people who were working. So you had a lot of people being like, oh, well, only five of them are over 18. So it doesn't matter. Or, oh, the bodyguards are working. So it doesn't matter. And I kept being like, A, they all count. Um, and B, even if you think about it, even if you say, well, I suppose that William and Catherine and Sophie and Edward and Louise and James, to an extent, are all old enough to be individuals, but all the Cambridge children ha- were still young enough to need an adult with them, and the bodyguards are working. Like, they were still adults, or still people who could then have got ill. And I don't think for a second they met up and thought, oh, let's go break some COVID rules. I imagine they thought, let's go for an outdoors, distanced walk um, as a family so we can see each other over the Christmas period. I imagine that's all they did. And then they didn't socially distance because no one walked two metres apart from anyone during that period of time. I certainly didn't when I went on walks with people. Yeah, I can't visually imagine how much two metres is. So I, it's impossible really for me to know how far apart I am. I just stand, I just stand far away from people by nature. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of people being like, oh, but, you know, it's not their fault. And I was like, look, in the grand scheme of things, do I think that, Kate and Sophie having a bit of a chat last Christmas is the end of the world no do I think it was the stupidest thing they did in that week yes it was such an easy thing for them not to do or at least don't do it in public we are going to get photographed yeah yeah because I think ultimately the rules were for everyone and I think that's what bothers people it's less about um what they do in their private time and things like that it's more about whether they see themselves as being kind of above the rules or above the law that's what bothers people is when there's just this flagrant kind of it feels like disregard coming from a position of massive privilege and it's sort of like you know if you're a patron of an organization if you are giving speeches if you are hosting people for state dinners you are whether you mean to or not you are positioning yourself as kind of a representative as potentially a role model um, and you can't have that if you aren't willing to stick to the rules and guidelines of the country so it's kind of like you accept this one part of the role then you have the responsibilities on top of it it's not all just the fun parties and getting to wear tiaras and stuff doing the the other the opposite to following the rules is such an easy pr win i mean if you think about philip's funeral and the queen sat by herself you know no one would have minded if someone had sat next to her and given her a bit of a hug but she didn't and for the you know for the rest of her reign everyone would be like oh remember that time that the queen had to sit by herself at philip's funeral when she looked so sad and like it's 
everywhere even people who you know aren't monarchists were like oh that was a that was a sad image seeing an old lady sat by herself at a funeral that's a good representation of all the funerals this country's had this year where people have had to be alone and it's been such a good image for her for the rest of her life she could probably break all the rules now and everyone would be like oh but remember when she had to do that or Sophia Princess Sophia in Sweden yeah um, who volunteered to work at a hospital um, and was doing things like cleaning beds and serving dinners and that was that was a story that blew up and transcended from the royal fandom to mainstream news and suddenly people who'd never heard, didn't even know that Sweden had a royal family knew that Princess Sophia was um, a person and that she'd done this incredible thing by volunteering. I think particularly with something like Covid where particularly now everyone is so tired of it and it, it is kind of horrible to contemplate the fact that it's still happening and can still be happening for god knows how many years it's it's a risky decision to flout the rules because you can you can have people be like you know what fair enough or you could have people turn on you very very quickly over it because it's it's something that's had such an impact and it's still continuing to have such an impact and so many people are having to spend Christmas alone and things like that and you know it's a time of year when even if you're not religious or you don't celebrate Christmas it is still kind of that time for family and people go oh well even if we're not religious we'll spend time together because everyone else is um even if it's you no know, your found family or you know you make a decision to have your own special day and it's all being kind of stripped back again like it was last year um, and I think it would it's very easy for someone like I don't know say a prime minister to have a party and it all to go disastrously wrong for them because they broke a rule I think this instance incident with the Dutch royal family it bothers me less than it did when they went to Greece because it is a different time and, and it wasn't a law as such um, it was just a uh, lapse in judgment but you know it just it would just be so easy not to do it. So, you know, you know, instead of instead of keeping making mistakes and then having to apologize over and over again, just stop making the mistake. <laughs> so, thank you everybody for joining us uh, for the On Air podcast. Uh, this is so. This is our fifth episode, and um, we've been just blown away by everybody's support and enthusiasm for for what we've been doing. Um, we're going to take. A bit of a break, um, but we will be back in the new year at some point with lots of new stories and uh, a lot of new content. But we just, yeah, to end the year, we sort of wanted to say thank you. And uh, no matter what you're celebrating or if you're not celebrating, if you're just spending time with family, no matter how you're marking the festive season, I hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful time. Yes, definitely. I think it's been so wonderful starting this and I'm really excited to sort of continue in the new year and I hope that the festive season is happy for sort of everyone yes definitely so um see you soon and uh have a wonderful end of the year bye, yeah, bye. <laughs>